Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Sabina Bruckner and Matal Dittner. Sabrina is the National Yiddish Folkspina Literary Manager. She joined the theater in 2017, continuing her return to the Yiddish world in which she has been active since childhood. She's a Yale Law School graduate, former Manhattan Assistant District Attorney, former Director of Public Affairs for American Friends of the Open University of Israel, Associate Director of Living Traditions, Klez Camp. She spent 11 summers as a camper and counselor at Camp Hemish, a Yiddish summer camp run by the Jewish Labor Bund and is a native Yiddish speaker, herself a refugee and daughter of Holocaust survivors. She won a Thomas J. Watson Fellowship to study the survival of Yiddish language and culture in Jewish communities in Europe, Israel, and Australia upon graduation from Wesleyan University. Matal Dittner is the Associate Artistic Director of the National Yiddish Folks Bina, Associate Director of Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish, winner of Drama Desk, Outer Critics Circle, and Lucille Lortel Awards, directed by Joel Gray. He was co-director, The Golden Bride, Drama Desk Award nominated, Outstanding Revival of a Musical and Outstanding Direction of a Musical. Other directing and credits include The Sorceress, Fivish Finkel Live, Robert Brustein's The King of Second Avenue, The Megillah of Itzik Munger, The Pushcart Peddlers, and The Marriage Contract. He served as the Yiddish coach on An American Pickle, starring Seth Rogen, and New York City's opera, Angels in America. He was an inaugural translation fellow at the Yiddish Book Center and teaches Yiddish language classes and theater workshops at the Workers Circle. Welcome to you both. And uh, you've got quite the bios, um, amazing accomplishments, and so much immersed in the world of Yiddish culture. So I'm delighted that you can join me to talk about the upcoming virtual play reading, The Bird of the Ghetto, which I understand is the launch of your Yiddish Women Playwrights Festival. Yes, um, in doing a history of the programs that the Folksbina has um, done in its 106 year old history, we began in 1915. I, I, I basically went through the records and noticed that we had few, if any, plays that were written by women playwrights. So I propose this festival that will um, bring light to at least four Yiddish plays written um, by women going from 18, I believe 71 to Chava Rosenfarb's um, play that we're putting on now, uh, Der Feugel von Ghetto, The Bird of the Ghetto, which was written after the war. And um, we're hoping to bring attention to this aspect of women in Yiddish culture S and literature. Sabina, I think it's safe to say that women playwrights are lesser known or women as playwrights in the Yiddish world are lesser known. I'm curious to ask how you found your way to the works that you will be presenting and share a little bit, if you could, about the writers um, and, and a bit about the work. Well, I um, basically used the National Yiddish Book Center's resources and went through the first, I, well, first I went through the Folksbina's history 
And then I was not seeing too many women Yiddish playwrights. I went through the National Yiddish Book Center's listing of, um, of authors for whom you have digitized works and looked for plays. And I found amongst your works, um, four plays that were written by um, women. I downloaded them, read them, transliterated them. And those are the four plays that are currently scheduled to be in our festival. Obviously, if we find more, and I'm speaking with other Yiddish scholars to see if they know of others, we may change them or um, add them to the festival. Um, and Mono, this is going to be virtual because we're still in the virtual realm. And I'm curious to get a sense from you. I mean, you've staged such incredible works um, and performances that I've enjoyed uh, live. What were some of the challenges in terms of staging and, and how will it be presented a reading or um, is there any other visual component to it? Thank you. Um, first, I want to uh, acknowledge our uh, director for this project, uh, who is Suzanne Torren. Um, she's an actress. She's um, directed uh, several staged readings for us in the past, as well as um, uh, uh, doing a lot of voiceover work for audiobooks and uh, directing audiobooks as well. Uh, so we're very happy to have her on board for this project. Um, Virtual readings certainly present their own challenge. It's essentially recorded uh, via Zoom, um, but there's a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, this is a full length play that's gonna come in around two hours. Uh, it's got, we're doing it with the reduced cast of uh, 15 actors. Uh, the original script had probably around, you know, 40 to 50 named characters in it, um, but this, is somewhat reduced. And then a number of the actors are playing two or three uh, uh, roles. Um, so they're playing one named character as well as uh, a voice in a crowd or a, 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 a street merchant or um, uh, members of the, uh, of the partisan resistance group. And um, we record it basically uh, a scene at a time. Um, it is subject to all of the um, ups and downs of, uh, of the virtual world. Um, it, Zoom is an amazing tool uh, that, that we have our, at our disposal now that we didn't have uh, up until recently, um, but it's filled a very uh, important role uh, during the, the, the time of uh, social distancing. And um, it glitches as, as we've all experienced. Uh, there's always that uh, you have to unmute yourself or you're frozen. And so uh, we stop and start quite a bit. And it's like making a movie where we have to uh, do quite a lot of editing uh, of, of sections. Sometimes we don't even record a full scene. Sometimes we just record a section of a scene and it has to be uh, edited together to make something that makes uh, sense. So uh, it's, it is uh, quite a task. Uh, not only that, uh, of course, uh, we have to add um, English translation uh, subtitles. Fortunately, this play was translated by Chava Rosenfarb's daughter, uh, Goldie Morgenthaler. So we've got that text already prepared for us. Um, 
And uh, in terms of the visual elements, you'll see the actors in their little Zoom boxes on the screen. Um, when we've got more intimate scenes, uh, it's, it's just two actors having a dialogue, but there's also big crowd scenes as well. Um, it's a bit of a challenge when we've got people who are both voices in the crowd as well as named characters within the scene. So we use a, a little visual trickery to, um, uh, to make it seem like they're different people anyway. And um, uh, yeah, it's been a big learning experience how to put together a, uh, uh, a virtual reading. It's amazing though, I have to say, hats off to you and to all the others who are working so hard and so quickly to figure out ways to, you know, keep performance um, accessible, whether in the virtual realm, um, you know, and all things that, that, you know, are the attendant issues related to it. Um, and I'd love to ask, and I'm not sure, and again, we're all speaking in little boxes here. So um, for our listeners, excuse us, um, not being in the studio, I have to say, um, I'm going to throw this question out to both of you, and I'm not sure who wants to answer it, but if you could speak a little bit about, um, about this play, and um, if, if you could just, it, you know, the timing of it in terms of the, up, you know, the ghetto uprising, and um, also just about the play, which is a challenging play, yes? Uh, yes. Um, first of all, the play that we're presenting is cut dramatically from Chava Rosenfarb's original play, which was basically novel length. She was a poet and a novelist, and she wrote prolifically, and this was a very long, very novelistic play, uh, which she and her daughter cut um, for performances. The play has been um, performed in translation before, but this is the first time it's going to be performed in its native language, in the language in which it was written in Yiddish. And um, so we're very happy to be doing that. That's part of our mission at the Volksbühne. And also we're timing the um, performance, the dates that the performances are being um, streamed to um, coincide with the 78th anniversary of the beginning of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising in 1943. Um, although this play is set in Vilna dur during one day in the war in the Vilna Ghetto, it explores the issues of the complicity by the Nazi installed Jewish leaders of the ghetto as opposed to the resistance fighters. And in Haber Rosenfarb's um, introduction to the play, she talks about the fact that she herself was not in the, in the Vilna ghetto. She, she spent the war um, initially in the Ludge ghetto where she grew, the city she grew up, but there was a figure very much like um, one of the main characters, Gens, who is the head of the Judenrat um, in the Vilna ghetto, She's, she knew Chaim Rumkowski, who played the same role in the Lodge ghetto. So Chava Rosenfarb is um, imagining what happened in the Vilna ghetto through her experience living in the Lodge ghetto. Yeah. 
the play itself is is a very difficult story to tell. Um, it is about a failed uprising attempt. Um, the, the the commander of the uh, the FEPO, the United uh, Partisan Organization in Vilna, was a man named Itzik Wittenberg, and um, the uh, he he was given up in interrogation by a member of the Polish underground. So the Gestapo came looking for him. And um, they gave an ultimatum that you either to to the Judenrat that you either turn over Wittenberg or we will liquidate the ghetto. So um, this the the partisans thought that this would be um, the spark that would uh, launch uh, their own uprising. This was uh, about three months after the war, the Warsaw uprising, uh, the Warsaw ghetto uprising. I should be specific in uh, this uh, happened in July of 1943. And um, initially, um, uh, Yaakov Gens, who was the leader of the Judenrat, did uh, turn um, Wittenberg over to the Gestapo. Um, he was then rescued by members of, uh, of his partisan group. Um, but um, the people, uh, the Jews uh, of the ghetto, demanded uh, that they turn him back over uh, because they were not ready to fight and they were afraid that, uh, that, the, that the Germans would immediately liquidate the ghetto. So Wittenberg realizing that he didn't have uh, the, the public support to launch his uprising um, did end up uh, turning himself in. He died uh, in custody of the Gestapo within days. There was no uprising. Um, and then it, it, as history uh, turned out, the uh, entire Vilna ghetto was liquidated in September of 1943, just two months later. So his sacrifice was, was for naught. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could also talk a little bit about the other three plays and their playwrights. Yes. Um... The other three plays, one is by Kadya Molodovsky, and it's called Zun, which um, translates to All Windows Face the Sun, which is a children's play um, written much in verse about a magic tower from which children in the present can see historical tragedies which befell the Jews in the past. And it's interesting because it was written before World War II began, but after the imposition of the Nuremberg Laws. So it hopes kind of ironically for a future without these tragedies where all the windows face the sun. Mm -hmm. um, the one other play that is in the series is called Diaguna by Marie Lerner, Lerner um, excuse me, Diaguna, the, the Abandoned Woman. And as far as we know, this is the first Yiddish play by a woman playwright ever produced. And that would be in 19, excuse me, in 1881. And um, it's a ra rather melodramatic play about a man who's married to the, a woman who's married to the man her parents wanted her to marry, but still with the man she loved since before her marriage. And it's all about how to get her a get so she can marry the one she loves. And it's, it has some early feminist themes and it's a very interesting um, 
and well-written play. And the final um, play in our um, series is Miriam Karpilov's Indie Sturdum Tag in the Stormy Days, which was written in 1909. And it's set in Russia around the uh, 1905 revolutions. And it explores the lives of Jewish women, revolutionaries, their suitors, the matchmakers employed by the parents and the Russians in the town. And uh, it includes a number of songs that were popular with the Jewish Labor Bund. So it's a kind of interesting, um, um, specifically political play. So those are the four, um, these are the four plays that um, are at this point part of the series. And as I said, we're hoping to find more. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing mix of both writers um, and also it sounds like it's a range of um, a variety in terms of the content um, and the thrust of them. I wonder if you were surprised with the works that you found and um, if you had to do a lot of curation to narrow it down or if they're just not that many in existence. There's really not that many in existence that I found. And um, that's why I am looking and for and speaking with um, some scholars of women's Yiddish literature to um, see if there are more plays, but also to you know, figure out why when there's an abundance of prose and poetry by women writers, why um, drama, was closed to either close to women or um, not felt why women didn't write plays. Um, it's more likely that the former was the issue, but we just don't know that at this point. And, and I guess I'd ask um, if this is a departure in terms of the types of plays that you produced in the past hundred years. Um, <laughs> maybe you can speak to that model. Um, taken as a work of drama, it's not terribly different from uh, much of the work that we've uh, produced. Um, it, it, it's certainly up there when I think of other uh, Holocaust dramas that we've produced over the years. Uh, most recently, we've done several readings of a play by Leivik uh, called um, Der Ness in Ghetto, the, um, the Miracle of the Warsaw Ghetto, which was, which was written in America in 1944 um, and uh, chronicled, of course, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Um, uh, We've also produced a uh, reading of, uh, Leivik also wrote a Holocaust play called um, uh, Die Chasne in Fernwald, The Wedding in Fernwald, which takes place in a DP camp after the war, but uh, por portions of the play are set during the war. Um, we've also in the, in the past produced um, other works, some, uh, some musical, some non, that are Holocaust related or, you know, other dramas um, 
that we've done productions or readings of over the years. And this one, this play certainly holds its own among the other, uh, certainly among the tragedies. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's certainly unique in that it's written by Chava Rosenfarb, but, um, but the, the, the themes and the style of the writing, um, you know, fits fairly well into the, the, the sorts of work that we've produced. Well, it, it's an exciting concept to launch the festival. Um, and I think, uh, and Sabina, you sort of alluded to it. There are, I think there's great scholarship going on at the moment to try to unearth some of these um, lesser known works um, and certainly the works of women writers. Um, so it's, it's exciting to see this launch. And I'm hoping you can just share quickly with our listeners how they can learn more and how they can register to get tickets. Um, they don't need to register to get tickets. It's going to be available from on our on the Folksbina website, the, the National Yiddish Theater Folksbina website, which is www.nytf.org slash bird. And um, it will be um, available. Um, the dates, model are... Sunday, April 18th through uh, Wednesday. No, Thursday the 20th. Thursday, sorry, Thursday, thank you. Thursday the 22nd. Um, there is, uh, it's available on demand streaming. You can watch it anytime, just like watching something on Netflix. And this allows people from all over the world um, to see the play at their leisure which is nice because Chava Rosenfarb uh, was a world traveler in, and she, while she lived in Canada after the war, she had a great, um, spent a great deal of time in Australia, in Europe, in Israel. And um, so she, there are people who know her, know of her all over the world and they'll be able to watch it um, they don't need to get up at four in the morning to see it. <laughs> Which is great. And um, again, for those who aren't lucky enough to have been able or in the future to be able to go to the theater in New York, I think this is just a great opportunity. And um, thanks again for all the work that you've done and for bringing this uh, series and festival together. Um, it's really great. So thanks so much for visiting with me today. And I look forward to watching all of these performances. Thank you. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode was produced by me, Richie Barche. Until next time, be well and be healthy.